and welcome to Myth Monsters. My name's Erin and I'll be your host for these little snack bite-sized podcasts on folklore and mythical monsters from around the world. These podcasts focus on the actual cryptids, folklore and mythic monsters from global mythology, rather than focusing on the full stories of heroes and their big adventures. I'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent day culture and where you can see these represented in modern content so that you can learn more and get as obsessed as I am about these absolute legends of the mythological world. Firstly, Happy Halloween! This is my absolute favourite holiday and what a way to celebrate than having a big old special episode of a monster podcast. Thanks for joining me on a Sunday, I know it's a bit weird but it will be worth it, I absolutely promise. Also, we hit 5,000 downloads last week, and I honestly can't believe it. That's such a massive number. Thank you so much for tuning in every week. I will continue to carry on bringing you content for as long as you're interested. So thank you again. I super, super appreciate it. This week, to celebrate Halloween, we're covering the legendary vampire from a kind of worldwide mythology, but originally and traditionally European myth. Vampires have a million and one descriptions, but the most popular is from European folklore, which is that of a pale, tall and gaunt Eastern European bloke in a cape with sharp hollow fangs who drinks blood from people's necks whilst they're asleep. They are considered the ultimate version of the undead, with so many powers and abilities that they are possibly one of the cooler monsters out there. However, there are so many different types of vampires that it's a real struggle to really whittle them down to this description. For example, just in this podcast, we have covered the Mananangal and the Sigbin from the Philippines and the Chupacabra from South America, all of which count as vampiric creatures, and no, they don't look like Dracula, but they still count as vampires. The stereotypical image of a vampire in most people's head is exactly that though. For me, it's Christopher Lee's Dracula from the 1958 film, because that's what I really imagine a vampire to look like. However, we know as monster buffs that it might look like a floating half-body of a woman with a long tongue, or a hairless mangy dog. In all continents of the world, you have at least a few examples, such as in Africa, you have the Asan Basam and the Romanga. In America and the Caribbean, you have the Sakuan and the Loragu. And lastly, in Asia, you have the Pontiac, the Mandarugo, the Nekakabi and the Yangshi. And actually, the European vampire was different depending on the culture, as the Greeks believed in Lamia, the Striges and the Mormo, and the Scandinavians the Draga. The definition of vampire is a creature that survives on the blood of animals or other humanoids, so you can see that if you're not used to the OG Dracula, you could just put your culture's version of him in that slot. Just wanted to make that very clear before we continued. Vampires are different wherever you are from, and that is completely groovy. However, I'm going to go with the European version because I am European, funnily enough. I'm going to cover all of the others in their own episodes, so all the ones I've just mentioned, they're far too interesting to shorten into this one. They all have their own separate episodes, so do not worry. European vampires generally come from Eastern Europe, such as Romania, Lithuania, Serbia, Latvia and Hungary, and generally these monsters stuck around these parts until folklore spread through books and word of mouth, which is really quite unique for a monster of this status within global folklore. Vampires were generally quite well off living in castles within these towns of hard-working lower-class peasants, very old-timey exactly what we'd expect really. They would be completely nocturnal as they would burst into flames or ash if they were exposed to the sun, 
and they would sleep during the day in their own personal coffins. They are formally considered undead as they do die when turned and are completely immortal and they have no beating heart or blood in their own systems. They also cannot reproduce. They would usually be unbelievably beautiful as they are completely unable to age and if you weren't pulled in by that they could also hypnotise you into doing their bidding, leaving them often with many subjects willing to assist them. Although, a bit of a downside to this, they couldn't see themselves in the mirror and they would be completely invisible to anyone looking at them in a reflected surface. They were also exceptionally strong and could heal any non-deadly damage to them, with the only exception being from fire, silver, religious artefacts or holy water. They could do all the fun things in life though, like partying, drinking, having sexy times, going clubbing, you know, the huge, but no beach trips I'm afraid. According to some legends, they also had the ability to turn into a bat to get around in the night undetected, so they could sneak into people's houses and drain them of blood as they slept. There are some indications that they could drink the blood of not just people, but also animals. But according to text, this was not very often taken up. I'll be honest though, possibly my favourite thing about vampires is that they had to be invited inside with active consent if someone was awake so they did have to knock and actually be invited informally before they could go about murdering anyone. So how do you kill a vampire? Actually, as intimidating as they may sound, they do have a lot of ways of actually being killed. They are highly allergic to garlic and silver, which would cause the exposed body part to burn. As mentioned, sunlight would reduce them to ash, but some types of vampires in the media at least have been immune to this. We're not going to talk about Twilight here. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Not going to discuss it. <laughs> or they could at least be kind of out in the sunlight a little bit and kind of get a bit crispy. Religious items are also always deadly to vampires, such as holy water, churches, rosary and crucifixes. It would cause them to burn on impact and depending on the length of time or amount exposed to, they could just literally combust. They could also not walk on consecrated ground, so anything blessed they could not walk on and they also could not cross running water. Lastly, the most brutal way to kill a vampire is either a wooden stake to the heart, most advised when they're asleep in their coffins, as they would simply crumble to ash, or by simply decapitating them and then setting them on fire. The reason behind the fire part, if you left their body and head separated, it was believed that they would eventually join back together and seek revenge on the person who attempted to kill them. But if you set them on fire, there would be no chance of this, they would then be ash. Being a vampire sounds really cool, Erin. How do I turn into one? The kind of only way to fully be turned into a vampire was to be turned into one by another vampire, by either being bitten and drained but not to death, so they drain you enough but not enough for you to die, or by having a vampire feed you their blood, which wasn't really blood, it was more of an ichor. It's really gross, black, just nasty. I have a major issue with blood, so vampires aren't really for me. If I was forced to be a vampire, I'd be a bit of a nightmare. I don't think it's something that I would be completely into. Certain types of supernatural people could not be turned into vampires, such as the vampire's long-running rival in the mythological world, the werewolf. We'll chat more about this later. It's quite a fun little topic. In some European mythology, you had to be jumped over by an animal whilst dead, 
had a wound that was not treated with boiling water after death, or if you were a witch or a rebel towards the government or crown at some point in your life. So that's fun. But the original vampire idea was brought on by the rise in Christianity throughout these countries, and the idea that the devil wanted agents on earth to turn others into undead beings, hence the no religious artefacts. In some media, it's said that Dracula was the son of the devil, which is quite a fun idea. Also, there's also the other kind of thing that is an evil spirit possessing a newly dead person. Again, I think that's quite a fun idea. So that was another one. Now we're getting down to my favourite part. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you will know that it's etymology. The word vampire comes from a whole bunch of Slavic languages, such as the Bulgarian, Croatian and Bosnian vampir, or the Czech, Russian, Ukrainian and Slovakian upir. The word vampire in English doesn't actually mean anything. Its exact etymology has been lost to time, which is unbelievably sad. But it's believed that the word derives from the Slovak word vreptisa, which means stick to or thrust into. So an upir would be someone who thrusts or bites. So I think that's pretty cool. Now in history, there were mentions of vampires back in the 12th century Britain, in Scandinavia and in Jewish literature. However, the rumours of vampires started spreading in the early 1700s, 1721 to be very exact, when word of mouth started spreading them around southeastern Europe. It actually got so intense that in the mid 18th century, they had a mass hysteria on their hands and a lot of people in these countries even had public executions on people who were believed to be vampires, which is really intense. Some people would dig up their relatives and stick stakes in them. They would put cages over the top of their graves to keep them from coming out. Generally, there were a lot of precautions as to stop being a vampire in these countries around these times. But there were some really famous examples of so-called vampires in Prussia, such as one in 1721, where a guy called Peter Blagojevich died at 62, but came home the next day to ask his son for food. When his son refused, he was found again dead the next day. Another is of Milos Cesar from Serbia, who was allegedly attacked by a vampire, then died. He then returned from the dead a few days later to kill his neighbours, who turned out probably killed him for his land. So it's a bit of a short story, bit of an anticlimax, but it is a story nonetheless. There are some really cool examples of more famous people being linked to vampires though, the first being the biblical character, so debatable whether true but important nonetheless, is Lilith from Hebrew demonology. She was apparently the first wife of Adam from Adam and Eve and was made from the same clay as him, but refused to be in the comfort of Garden of Eden as she did not want to be inferior to Adam as a woman. So she left Eden and got with the Archangel Samuel, and it's said that she gave birth to the first ever demons, the Lilu, and they fed from the blood of newborn babies. She's gone on to be the mother of all demons in many parts of folklore and media mythology, and generally she's pretty much a hell yeah feminist icon as of now, which is pretty cool. I've got a very cool poster of her in my house. Next up is King James I of England, who wrote the famous anti-witch book Demonology in 1597. It was used mostly as evidence of witches existing to justify the Pendle witch murders and the employ of Matthew Hopkins, England's witch hunter general. However, it did come with a classification of demons, including vampires and succubi, stating that they could possess dead bodies but make it seem like they were happy, healthy and alive. 
Another is that of Elizabeth Bathory, who we spoke about in our Bloody Mary episode. She is one of Europe's most prolific serial killers, with the blood of up to 500 women on her hands. She was generally not a very nice person, but it was rumoured that she bathed in the blood of virgins to keep herself looking youthful, so she is linked as one of the inspirations behind vampires to this day. This bathing bit was probably made up, but she did have a dungeon full of poor tortured girls' bodies with all of their blood drained from them, so it doesn't really help her image. If you want to find out more about her, go listen to the Bloody Mary episode where I talk quite in depth about her and her history. She's a very, very cool, evil character from European history. Lastly, the most important historical figure linked to vampires is the original himself, the legendary conqueror Vlad the Impaler. Vlad III, or full name Vlad Dracula, was the ruler of Wallachia, which is now Romania, between 1448 and 1477, and he was an absolute tyrant. He was the son of Vlad Dracul, who was murdered by the Hungarians in 1447, and so a young Vlad got help from the Ottomans, which are modern-day Turks, and overthrew his father's murderers. During this time, he came across Transylvania, which was filled with Saxons, who he promptly decided to impale through their buttholes up to their mouths on giant wooden beams to warn of others going against him. He was then imprisoned by the same Ottomans for not bowing to them and went to war in 1463 to 1475. During this time, Vlad was known for his barbaric tortures of opposing forces, including the impaling. He was described as a demented psychopath, a sadist, a gruesome murderer, a masochist, worse than Caligula and Nero, referencing the two bloodiest Roman emperors in history. Now you may have noticed that Vlad's surname was Dracula, and yes, he was the biggest inspiration for the most famous vampire in history. However, Dracula was very much a work of fiction, written by an Irish author in 1897. It was the first link to vampirism from Vlad the Impaler. Dracula is by far the most famous vampire in modern folklore, with over 200 movies made about him since the 1800s, which is second only to Sherlock Holmes. The second most famous though, I can happily say, was a female LGBTQ vampire known as Carmilla. She was written in the same title book back in 1872, which predates Dracula by over 20 years. She was synonymous with the seductive side of the vampire and has inspired many erotic vampire films and the idea of vampire seductresses within cinema and modern media. Other famous vamps include the Cullen family from the Twilight series back in the noughties and 2010s with the ever-brooding Edward and his love for boring human Bella. (laughs) Differing from traditional vampires being a collective adopted family, they're American and they have amber-coloured eyes due to being a vegetarian quote-unquote vampire family, only feeding on animals rather than humans. Nosferatu is another really great one, the original vampire on screen back in 1922, and an interpretation of the Dracula book. It's a silent German horror film with the main character Count Orlok, played by the legendary Max Schreck. It's still super creepy to this day, but well worth the watch. Even if you're not into horror and stuff like that like me, Nosferatu is a really, really great watch, and it's something that I can actually watch, so highly recommend it. Now, I said I would go back to vampires and werewolves. Now, these two only really have rivalry within media. They weren't actually attributed to each other at all in folklore. And a werewolf is actually mortal. It can be killed by anything. 
I will not go into this more in this episode because I will do a whole other episode around them. So there's not anything here that links them to them. That's the end of the story. However, they were first put together in The Return of the Vampire in 1943. It's a movie where a vampire kept a werewolf captive and hypnotised to stop him from going into his lupine form. So literally all this rivalry that has been sparked from literally millions of films about werewolves and vampires came from this one film, which is just wild. But regardless of that, I really love their rivalry and I think it adds a lot to the movies that they are rivals in. They are always servants of vampires and hypnotised by that. So I think it's a really cool little character arc personally. There are some real life examples of vampirism, such as the condition Prophoria, which is called the vampire disease. This is because sufferers get symptoms when they've been exposed to the sun, which is not fun, I imagine. As a redhead, I understand how that feels, but it's not called this anymore, obviously, because it can be, I imagine, quite offensive to said sufferers. We also have vampire bats who drink blood from animals and people who call themselves modern day vampires and dress like stereotypical ones whilst occasionally consuming blood. I'm not going to say drinking blood because they aren't actively sucking it out of their teeth, they do just consume it from time to time. Lastly of course, most of the vampire references come from media and their legend lives on even now from the 12th century in books, movies, TV shows and video games which we'll get onto in a bit. But first, it wouldn't be a special without a special part in the middle, would it? This episode, we're going to do a little trivia on vampires. I'll read out these questions and then I will post them in polls on the Twitter so that I can see all your answers. I thought it'd be really fun to have like a little interactive bit in the middle of this massive episode that we're doing today. Now, some of these have not been covered in the podcast and their general knowledge on vampires or modern media questions on vampires. So it might be tricky, but I have the biggest faith in you, so are we ready? Let's go. Question one. What is a group of vampires called? Is it A, a murder, B, a clutch, C, a herd, or D, a pod? This question is for my sister. Question two. In SpongeBob SquarePants, which famous vampire featured in the episode Hash Slinging Slasher? Was it A, Vlad, B, Nosferatu, C, Dracula? or D, Edward Cullen. Question three. On which well-known television series might you see Count Von Count? A, The Addams Family, B, The Monsters, C, Sesame Street, or D, Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Okay, question four. Published in 1887, which of the following authors penned the book Dracula? Now, I purposefully didn't say this earlier, so I hope you get it. It's either A, Ray Bradbury, B, Bram Stoker, C, Mary Shelley, or D, Ian Fleming. Question five. On his death, which famous horror actor was buried in his Dracula costume? There are no options for this one. I'm being cruel. Question six. Dracula comes from the area called Transylvania. In which country is Transylvania? Okay, question seven. In which year did the word vampire appear in the Oxford Dictionary? I'm going to give you a clue. We're looking around between 1500 and 1900. That's your clue. Question eight. 
1930, a serial rapist and murderer called the Vampire of Dusseldorf reigned over Dusseldorf, funnily enough. What was the vampire's name? Or what was the serial killer's name? Okay, question nine. Which of these is generally not considered to be protection from vampires? A, holy water, B, sunlight, C, pepper, or D, garlic? And lastly, number 10, who was Dracula based on historically? You have learned this during this episode. This was the big one. I talked a lot about this. And that's it. That's my little quiz. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll have the questions up by the end of today so you can show off your vampire knowledge. Everyone else on the Twitter. How exciting. I hope that was all right. I've never done that before. Anyway, let's continue. That leads us really nicely on to cultural significance. And with the vampire, to be honest, this is where most of the hype around these mythical creatures comes from. So let's really dive into this. For art, they've been round and in folklore long enough to actually have some art surrounding them. So I recommend looking up The Vampire by Philip Byrne Jones from 1897, which I used in advertising this week, is it's just absolutely gorgeous. Then there is Vampire by Edvard Munch from 1895, who also very famously painted The Scream. There's the collection from Varney the Vampire Penny Dreadfuls in the 1800s, and illustrations from the Carmilla stories as well that I would advise looking up. Also, I know it's a bit off the cuff, but I highly recommend looking up the infamous painting of Lilith from 1887 by John Collier. It's one of the most beautiful pieces of art of all time, I think, and is so, so, so important to feminist protest art in modern times. If you're into that, have a look, but it's, you literally will be like, oh, I've seen this a million times. It's gorgeous. In movies, there are an unbelievable amount. So I will just go over the ones that are the biggest and most popular. You've got all of the Dracula variations from Bella Lugosi to Christopher Lee. You've got Vampires, Interview with a Vampire, The Twilight Series, Nosferatu, The Lost Boys, Salem's Lot, 30 Days of Night, Dark Shadows, What We Do in the Shadows, Daywalkers, Van Helsing, From Dust Till Dawn, The Underworld Series, Hotel Transylvania, Doctor Sleep, Thirst, Byzantium, Vampire's Kiss, I Am Legend, and of course, The Blade Trilogy. In TV, again, there are absolutely loads, such as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Legend, Angel, What We Do in the Shadows, which is my favourite, IT Crowd, True Blood, Supernatural, American Horror Story, Vampire Diaries, Being Human, A Discovery of Witches, Dracula, Hemlock Grove, Let the Right One In, The Monsters, The Addams Family, Penny Dreadful, Preachers, Salem's Lot, and Young Dracula. Animated shows included with this is Mona the Vampire, which was my childhood show growing up, Count Duckula, Sesame Street, Rosario Plus Vampire, Monster Force, Helsing, Vampirina, and Monster High. For video games, there are also a few. I'm just going to list them again. Sorry. Darkwatch, Infamous, The Buffy Game, Blood Rain, Vampire, Skyrim, Sims 3 and 4, The Witcher 3, Castlevania, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, World of Warcraft, and Van Helsing. My favourite isn't even technically a vampire game, but possibly my favourite vampire character in video games, and that's the new Resident Evil, that's number 8, Village, which has the wonderful Lady Demetresque and her daughters who are vampires, and so incredibly well written and just beautifully animated for a Resident Evil game, which obviously is normally a zombie game. 
My book recommendation for this week is the very obvious. It's going to be Bram Stoker and his Dracula book. It's a legendary story, and actually, even though it is quite ancient, it's still a bloody good read, pun intended. Another old one would be Carmilla by Sheridan Lee Fanu, which is a definite winner with the LGBTQ gang. You can get them for free on most e-readers because they are so old and really, really cheap in paperback if you fancy that. The others are much less recommendations, more suggestions if you're after something more modern, like the Twilight series by Stephanie Meyer, Interview with a Vampire by Anne Rice, or Salem's Lot by Stephen King. Now it's time for Do I Think They Existed? Now, obviously there are some occurrences in nature and within society that prove vampirism exists. However, is there a Widow Peaks pale man stalking me for my blood? Well, maybe. But he defo ain't a vampire, and honestly, I'm not worth it, dude. My liver isn't what it once was. You don't want this blood! But in all seriousness, I think vampires are a really awesome reflection of history past, and that we can look back at the rich folklore of Europe, and how much it's influenced, actually, worldwide culture. I'm very much proud to be a European citizen, not part of the EU anymore, begrudgingly, but very proud to be part of Europe and have this amazing culture and folklore that we have collectively. However, we do know that most vampires are a work of fiction, rather than one of actual mythology. However, they are so ingrained within our mythology globally that people have almost forgotten that they were just a character in a book. But I guess inspiration has to come from somewhere, and where there is smoke, there is always fire. Not many other myth monsters we'll cover are going to have the same amount of media, inspiration and history as the vampire. Honestly, I can only think of a couple that are big enough to have a special like this, and they will be done every Halloween. Next year is booked already. I'm done. I'll do another special. Also, I personally think vampires are some of the coolest and most influential myth monsters. I've been into them since a really young age when watching Mona the Vampire and Count Ducula, and then unfortunately I was a teenager when Twilight came out, so of course I was swept into this fiasco. If you follow me on Twitter, I did post a very unflattering picture of me and my Edward Cullen poster I had on my bedroom wall at 14. Hashtag no regrets. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this special. I really enjoyed this one, but I'll tell you a secret and it's really lame. I was really excited for the special, but I put myself off because basically, again, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll know this. I had my nails done last week and they were really long. They had my logo on, so I was absolutely in love with them, but I actually couldn't type, which made my job and this really hard. But I eventually got my act together and I chopped them off a little. They still look very good so I could actually get this episode out to you. And I realised I actually didn't have to do much research in order to get this out, because I generally know most of this stuff from a life of adoring vampire culture and media. Next week, we're heading back over to my favourite mythology, which if you've been listening to me for a while, you'll know is Greek mythology. We're going to be looking at the fearsome multi-headed Hydra next week, so don't chop off the head back at our usual spot on Thursday next week. Lastly, have a wonderful and safe Halloween or Samween. Get lots of candy, have a party, enjoy. But again, most importantly, please do stay safe. For now, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you're listening on. I've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next. And I'd really love to hear from you. The social media handles for TikTok and Instagram are Myth Monsters Podcast. And Twitter is Myth Monsters Pod. But all of our content can be found at mythmonsters.co.uk. 
You can also find us on Good Pods and Patreon if you want to help me fund the podcast. You know, if you feel like it and you love your gal. Come join the fun, share this with your pals. They might love me as much as you do. But for now, stay absolutely the spookiest. And I'll see you later, babes. <laughs>